Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 260 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today as I talk to Lexi Elliott, who was so cool to talk to. I absolutely loved her thriller, How to Kill Your Best Friend. Couldn't put it down. Uh, It was about swimming, and you know, I'm kind of passionate about swimming. And we talk about using authenticity in your main character, and also how threading in clues might be easier than you think, a thing that we have talked about here recently on the show. So you will enjoy this delightful interview with her. In the meantime, what's going on around here? Well, I am coming at you from a brand new office, which is a very, very small bedroom in a in an apartment in Mount Manganui, which is a beach town just outside Toranga and the North Island of New Zealand. We are here for one week. It is bucketing down rain. Hopefully you can't hear that right now. Uh, but I have been going for walks every day. However, it's, it's pouring so much that today might not be a walking day. Honestly, it is, it is that. It is that rainy. Uh, our first full day here, we climbed the mount, which was intense. I don't know if I've ever walked up something that was that steep for that long, but we made it. And that was something I'm very proud of because um, I am very strong, but neither my wife nor I are, are that physically fit. We're always trying to do a little bit more, but that was a challenge. But I did not want to come to a place known as the Mount and not climb the Mount. And we did it. And the view was incredible from the top. We went up one side and came down the other. Water surrounding us, ships moving. It's a, it's kind of this wonderful mix of beach and, um, industry, which is something I really like coming from Oakland. Uh, as we look out our windows, we can see the same kind of cranes. Every once in a while, we will look out and there's an entire huge building moving past, but it is a container ship. So that is really cool. And yeah, after this, uh, we are going to be moving down toward Wellington this weekend because we are going to go look at the house that we might rent. So uh, that would be at the end of October. That would be happening. So that is an exciting move to make. And after that, I have no idea where we're going. We have one week booked in Wellington and then nothing in the future. So, uh, because I'm scared, I'm scared that at any moment, uh, a community case of COVID could be found outside Auckland and the country would shut down again and we would not be able to move airs B and B at all. So we're, ta- we're really trying to take it as one day at a time as we can and still live our lives. At the moment, we are currently still in level two, which means that everything happens except you wear masks indoors unless you're eating or exercising. So it's quite awesome. We're going to go to a mall later today because there are some things we need that we haven't been able to buy. Um, and it's going to be really exciting. That's our big outing for today. And uh, But Auckland, poor Auckland, still remains in level four, not leaving the house seeing no one, nothing open, no restaurants, no nothing, uh, because they're still having 10 or 15 cases a day report. So they've still got it locked down, no one out, no one in. It was very exciting going through 
Auckland. The government had told me that we could. However, I think I said last time that it had been reported that, or not, perhaps you won't get through. So at the border, when we're talking to the um, the police who are there, I showed them my permission from the government because we are moving residences. We don't have a permanent residence. So this isn't like vacation for us. This is we're moving around living with all of our belongings. Uh, so he let us in to the level four zone, which was very much like entering, entering a zombie land. Uh, there had been traffic up until then. And then when we entered Auckland region, there's just nothing moving nothing moving. We were driving through quietly. And it only struck me when we were inside the perimeter that, oh my gosh, I've been worried about getting in. I should have been more worried about getting out because now I'm in the infection zone and they're not going to want to let us out. So we needed to not stop. Obviously, we we're not going to stop. It was illegal for us to stop even for gas or a bathroom. Uh, but Google Maps kept trying to reroute us around the roadblocks. And I didn't understand that for a while. It's just like I was following Google Maps blindly and it kept putting us on side roads. What are we doing? And we're also killing time. They're tracking our license plate as we move through. Um, so they'll know if it, if we've got an extra half hour not accounted for, what were we doing? Were we making out with strangers in the streets and they're not going to let us out now? So we finally managed to get to the border. And the man let us out. And then we were free back in level two. But it was a very, very strange, strange experience, strange feeling. So we are here. Uh, I am writing. I am really trying right now. Uh, don't laugh at me because I'm changing my process again. But I'm trying to focus on one thing at a time. Instead of the two or three things that I'm usually focusing on, I read 4,000 weeks uh, over the last couple of days by Oliver, can't remember his last name, but it's going to pop right up if you Google it, 4,000 Weeks. Absolutely the best time management book I have ever read. And it's really on how time management sucks and how we should just let it go. And from that book, I am focusing on one thing at a time. So right now I am just trying to finish the edit of Life and Stitches audiobook so that can be done. And instead of taking the next six to eight weeks, I can have it to Ed, my assistant, hopefully next week. And then I can get back into 90 Days to Done, the book, and work on one damn thing at a time. I do get distracted. I love shiny objects, uh, as many writers do. Okay, uh, quickly, let us thank a new patrons, Jillian Price. Thank you, Karina, my cousin who lives um, in the North Island. Thank you, Karina. Uh, Karen Price and Dahlia Hamza Constantine. What great names that we have. Oh, and Tracy Devlin. Um, oh, and Sandy Miranda. I may have said some of these names before. Sorry about that if I did. Welcome to all of you. Anyone who is interested um, can support this show, which runs on your donations. Um, you may have noticed that I don't do ads. I don't take ads from other companies. Uh, you support me in doing this work and writing those essays of my heart. So thank you very much. That's over at patreon.com slash Rachel. And that means you want me to continue doing this. And I want to continue doing this. So now let's jump into the interview with Lexi Elliott. I know you're going to enjoy it. And we will talk soon, my writing friends. Get a little writing done. Come tell me about it. All right, here we go. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir. Write your life story in 45 hours, which is, by the way, totally doable, and I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, 
The book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing and of revision and of story structure and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show Lexi Elliott. Hello, Lexi. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to talk to you. I loved your book. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction here, and then we're going to talk about all things writing. Okay. Lexi Elliott graduated from Oxford, Uni- Oxford University, where she obtained a doctorate in theoretical physics. A keen sportswoman, she swam and played water polo at university and later swam the English Channel solo. She works in fund management in London, where... I said fund management, but it does sound like fun management too. She <laughs> lives with her husband in two sons. How to Kill Your Best Friend is her most recent release. And I have to say, it was such a fun read. Um, with a title like that, how could I resist? Mm-hmm. Can I ask, so the title is How to Kill Your Best Friend. Did you? Was that a working title or is that one you came up with later? Yeah, I pretty much came up with a title and then had to find a novel to fit it, to be it's, honest. It's kind of obvious because it's such a good title. You have to follow yeah, that. Once I had that, I was just like, huh, that's interesting. And then you pull on the thread, like, why would you even want to do that? What situation would make you want to kill your best friend? And then suddenly it all started to unfold for me. Yes. And also the swimming was so, I don't think I've ever read a thriller with swimming as a pivotal <laughs> plot point and I'm a really big swimmer I mean I'm not a really big swimmer I've never swum anything like a channel but I do love open water swimming and and it was so fun to read in the beginning it's you know it's it's just there as part of who they are but at the end it really becomes plot dependent how was that to write all the swimming well, it was it was fun. I mean, it, it helps that, you know, it's um, an environment that I'm so familiar with. Um, and, you know, to really know your setting as a writer, as you must know, it really, really helps. Um, so I could sort of just immerse myself in it and think about situations I'd been in and what it felt to swim in daytime or to nighttime, swimming with your friends and so on. Um, so, yeah, that that actually was one of the more fun bits of it to write. And, and I'd come up with the idea when I was um, on holiday back when, you know, you remember that when we, yeah, when we used to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so we were on holiday somewhere and it was at this you know rather exotic um eco resort and I remember thinking wow this is actually this could be quite freaky if if you were you know if all the staff disappeared and you were on your own this could be quite a a, a scary environment um and it all sort of started to kind of come together in my mind, this group of friends in this, you know, resort environment. And then, of course, you've got the water. And it, it with my background, I think it presented itself very obviously to me. It was so, so realistic in terms of like uh, being in the water and fighting the water and the water as this extra antagonist at times. And then also this extra protagonist at times. So I just, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I could not put it down. So thank you for it. Let's talk a little bit about your writing process. So you're obviously very busy. You have a full-time job. You've got kids, plus you're writing books. When do you do it? How do you get the writing done? Well, I mean, I'm actually in a bit of a a, a point of change in in my life where I have, um, in fact, uh, resigned from my city job. So I congratulations. (laughs) Yes. 
So um, yeah, I've taken taken that decision to focus a bit more on the writing. But but typically, what I was doing was actually um, three days in the city mm. and the rest of the time at home writing and obviously family things. Um, and it was very difficult. I mean, I had to take vacation to to finish yeah. books, which isn't really what you want to be doing with your no. vacation. You want to be spending it with your family. Um, and that's, you know, part of the, the decision process that I've gone through to uh, to to focus fully on the, the books. Um, and uh, typically pre-COVID, I would uh, I would go and write in a cafe, actually the cafe, a, a local um, leisure centre that we're members of um, was my favourite place to write mm. because you, know, you could just sit there and not be distracted by anything around the house. They do really good coffee. Nobody really bothered me. The food was healthy if you were going to stay for lunch as well. Um, and that what was the ideal place. What is a leisure centre? Is it a place where you, there's sports too? Is it like a club here? Yeah, like gym. They have a pool. They do have a pool. So you can go swimming and then write. That's precisely what I did. I'd get, you know, children on the school bus, go go swimming, and you know, do an hour in the pool and then go and sit and write and then go pick up children from bus. Yeah. Yeah. I um I always wrote at this co- the college where I got my master's. Um it's kind of around the ha- the corner from our house, but we're in the middle of a big move. But um and and I haven't been able to do this in a year, but I, same thing, I would go to the pool. And then just go to the library and write and to have, and then there was like, you know, the school cafe there and to have everything there. It's just so lovely. So how have you been doing it now for the last year or so? Yeah. I mean, just having to write at home. Um, and while the kids were on uh, homeschooling, that was really tricky. How old are the kids? Um, so now uh, Cameron's 15 and Zach is 12. Um, oh so they're not at the age where they need someone looking over their shoulder the whole time, but there is a lot of, mom the printer's not working or how do you conjugate this french verb or you know just yeah. questions about latin i never did latin <laughs> you're on your own no 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 help from me on latin <laughs> so do you have your own office at home or do you just kind of squeeze yourself in where you can I, it's rather typical i sort of do but i end up sitting um at the at the table in the kitchen that seems to be the comfortable place for me um I mean, sometimes I move around a bit, but uh, but really, I very rarely sit in the space that we actually expected me to use when we, you know, renovated the house. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but my my office space, my office setup when I am at home, um, which I am not right now, but uh, is where I do all my email and where I do all my bill paying and where I do. It's not the place where I want to do the creative work. It's where I do work. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And the other thing I had to do was just get much better at snatching the moments. So I used to write a lot when um, when my kids were at their swim sessions. So you'd mm-hmm. end up with like an hour and a half or something on the side of a pool and you can get some stuff done. Um, but that stopped, obviously, through COVID. And I just had to be better at like, okay, it's Sunday morning, everybody seems to be occupied, I can write for 45 minutes, you know, um, but the problem with that is then it's everything's bleeding into uh, everything else, you know, that whole uh, problem that we talk about now of what are you, uh, are you, you know, living where you work as opposed, you know, it's, it's yeah. a difficult one. Um, yeah as opposed to working where you live. Yeah. So how long have you been full-time writing now? Uh, I think, what are we now? We are Monday. So that would be two days. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I technically went on gardening leave on Friday. (laughs) 
I love that I have got you today. Um, I have been, I've been doing it for five years and it's still it's still the most wonderful thing ever. How do you feel about it? Yeah, really positive and actually really excited about the idea of doing, you know, some other projects because um, as you must know, your publisher wants you to keep producing books in the same genre. But, you know, I think I could spread my wings a little bit and do some other things. And I'm hoping to have the time to do that now. Let's 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 assume that the publishers will never listen to this because they really don't. What what also draws your heart in terms of writing projects? Or I'd, I'd actually quite like to do something in this sort of um, fantasy genre, adult Ooh. fantasy. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking so about fun. that. And I have one or two kind of young adult um, ideas, but I'm not sure they're quite right for you know the zeitgeist. So we'll maybe have to put them on hold for a while, and we'll see. Oh, that's really, really exciting. I love hearing that. Okay. So congratulations on day two. <laughs> what is, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Well, it used to always be um, finding time. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that's going to be less of a challenge going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes the challenge can be, you know, I don't, I don't suffer for ideas. That's not a problem. It's finding the right one that has, you know, real proper legs to carry a 300 page novel. Um, And that can take a bit of time and, you know, take some discussion between myself, my agent, um, my publishing editor and so forth um, to make sure that we're focusing in on on the right thing. Um, And I find that process quite a challenge. but once you get there, you know, and everybody's on board, then you can really just get stuck in. Um, How much um, pre-writing do you do of those ideas? Because I also, I also really struggle with that. How, how much do you play with it? So I tend to um, write uh, almost like the blurb for the back of the book. Mm-hmm. And I don't always know exactly how it works. I just kind of know what those, those kind of big points, you know, USP might be. Yeah. Um, and then send that across. So it's maybe, you know, a paragraph. Um, and, uh, and then we have a discussion about which of those might work best. But, you know, before the novel that I'm working on right now, um, I think we went through seven or eight, you know, which is quite a lot, actually, to have really thought yeah. about it and to, to put enough time into that you can come up with the blurb for the back of a book. And, and, and still have the hope that you would be able to pull it off what you have said yeah. with this <laughs> yeah. blurb that you can do. And I have actually had a couple of times where I've just failed. Like the first draft is like, oh, I didn't actually do anything that we wanted me to do. <laughs> and then you, you start over. And did you, uh, did you try and get back to what you had in the beginning? Or did no. you say, okay, no, this is going a different direction and I should just follow that? The book is, you know, the, this just, just happened with the book that just came out, but the book is still kind of similar to the blurb but the synopsis that we that I wrote to support the blurb just didn't work and I didn't notice it in the synopsis and my agent didn't notice it and my editor didn't notice it and there was just this big plot hole in the middle that that no one could fix and I'd done some beautiful like you know hand waving like some nice language and then she'll show that and she couldn't show that (laughs) so yeah I just took it a little little different direction that's but yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Well, I think that 
which you've just mentioned when you when you solve that kind of issue because yeah. it, you know particularly for psychological thrillers it's a bit like um, a jigsaw puzzle isn't it and you've yeah. got to try and get all the pieces to fit and to hang together and so you've got this nice smooth picture at the end um, and I, I think that's um, that's quite a mental challenge and I really enjoy that and I have a certain amount of faith now that um, you will solve those problems, but you don't know when you start what those problems are. They present themselves to you as you go along. Um, so it's almost like you're having to solve it at the same time as the characters are having to solve it. Yeah, well, I think it works the best, honestly. If we set problems up that are so difficult that we can't solve them at the beginning, then the reader hopefully won't be able to solve them as she goes along too, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what we hope anyway. Okay, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Um... Oh, let me think. Um, I think I think authenticity, in particular, kind of character arc authenticity, is really important. And I think you need to trust your gut for that, because too often I read things where you know that the writer just wanted to be able to say kind of gotcha at the end with mm -hmm. some kind of plot twist, and it doesn't fit with the characters. Um, or you read something where you think. Nobody in their right mind would do that. You know, it's a storm. There's no lights. You hear a noise from the basement and you've already been told there's a serial killer on the loose. <laughs> Let's go down and look in the basement. No, no one's doing that. No one is doing that. You're running for the hills at that point. You're yeah. going to find a friend. So I think sticking to the, uh, to the authenticity of what you would reasonably do in a situation is important. And, and that a character that the the choices they make fit with who you've shown them to be all along. Um, and I don't think that takes away from being able to surprise a reader. You, you want them to go, oh, yeah, I should have seen that, but I didn't, as opposed to, oh, yeah, you got me, but there was no, there was no chance of me working that out. Right. right. I think it's important. And, um, and I think another thing that I've learned is that you can – you can change the slant of something. You can change kind of the tone of it with very few sentences afterwards. In the tell, me, tell me more about that. Well, I think if you suddenly decide that you want or you get to the end and you need to thread something through um, that you haven't done so far, like an idea or even, um, you know, somebody has to become a person who is maybe just a, a little bit more mal malignant perhaps than you had written them originally. It doesn't take much to do that. You know, you just need to find the right places to add. It might, it might be six sentences in the whole book, right? And you can completely change, change the arc of it for that character and, and for the book as a whole. Um, so, so don't get distressed if you suddenly get two thirds through and think, it's not going in the right direction or I need to change this because probably, probably the changes are very slight, actually. Um, they're meaningful, but they're slight, and which I always think is, is a great thing and it gives me hope. But I was speaking to a friend of mine who actually is a, a film producer and he said, that's what petrifies him because he's like, what if I miss putting in that shot or that sentence or that, and then I don't get the tone I want? I was like, oh God, I hadn't thought of it that way. Or maybe I'm a bit more glass half full. But what that is a really interesting point is that as writers, we get to make those tiny 
tiny changes that change everything for the book right up to the end. I mean, like you could even go yeah. over your copy edit allotment. Um, you know how they, I don't know if they, they do this. I don't, in think, Britain they so much. For it, but I don't <laughs> think they would, I don't think they would like it on a, but, but you could, whereas if you're the director and you haven't shot the one thing that you needed to shoot in order to get that, you just can't, you can't go back and recreate that day and that uh-huh. light. Yeah, so. I mean, I think you might be able to do something with a voiceover, but still, it's kind of tricky, tricky, isn't it? Yeah, we have, we have, we have the best case scenario. My wife is a, um, a graphic artist, and and she always says, well, "You could just go change words, and I have to, I have to redraw a picture." And I say, "It's okay, just do it anyway. Just the vision is still your friend." <laughs> but I, I have a, a lot of jealousy for uh, people who are, you know, graphic artists or songwriters because it seems like it they just get it done a lot quicker right you know it's probably nine months to a year to write a book and uh I hear about all these fantastic songs that get knocked out in 20 minutes I can't even get through a cycle on the washing machine in 20 minutes come on I can't remember to eat breakfast in that amount of time exactly (laughs) that's brilliant I love those craft tips um what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way I think everything kind of does though you know everything sort of creeps in um well I I I think probably the best example of that is um when I was just starting out um as a writer and I wrote a story called Japanese tourists it was called um and I thought I was writing about one thing and then I realized sort of two-thirds of the way through this that I was writing about my grandfather's death and I just hadn't realized and often it tells you something about what you're th- thinking when you when you write and you find things creeping in so I, I think everything does and everything sort of finds its way in there and in, in its own way and and maybe you only realize it when you have the finished product I have been thinking along those lines and I've been wondering what's going to happen in about three years when the COVID books are written and edited and sold and published, you know, like the books that we were writing during this time, what is, what is going to be, like you said, in the zeitgeist then about connection and family and friendship Mm. that that we're not consciously thinking of, but I know that when I'm looking at my own work, ideas are creeping in from this past year of accumulation. And are you, um, are you expressly setting your novel? in yeah no I'm not either and I I don't know whether that's because we're harking to a world where it didn't exist or or whether we we just think that you know readers maybe don't want to be reminded of it Um, that's that's more where I'm leaning and also for the for the book that just came out we were in COVID when I was doing like the final edits and um and I tried to I put in a couple of throwaway lines about you know like when she couldn't see her friends or something during some pandemic and my editor asked me to take them out she actually expressly said we don't want to yeah you know we're hoping that someday this ends and we don't want to to remind people of that and I'm not I'm not sure if that's right or wrong but that's what my editor was thinking yes we'll see yeah I know it's going to be interesting um so what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it best book that I've read recently um I really enjoyed Jenny Offal um her her weather Yeah, the one that was in uh, that was on the shortlist for the Women's Prize. I it's, haven't read it yet, but I love Department of Speculation so much. I haven't Did, read that, but no. whether it's like poetry, I mean, that's, honestly, it's, that's what Department of Speculation was. 
Okay. I have to read that one too. That <laughs> it's so brilliant. It's about a, um, a, a relationship kind of falling apart. What is weather? What is weather about? Um, so it's a, a woman who um, is living in New York and is just really getting dragged into a panic about um, where the world is going, uh, you know, environmental impact, um, you know, political environment uh, impact on her, on her son and, you know, and her, on her marriage and so on. And um, she has a, she has a brother who um, is falling apart Um it's just very real in the way that she she deals with him and it it makes you laugh and then the next sentence makes you want to cry it's just utterly beautiful oh, yeah, I can really enjoy that I can't wait to read it I love reading her and people like her because I know I can never do what she does so it's really kind of pressure off yeah you know, I, I could just enjoy yeah, there, I mean, there's certain books I can't read when I'm writing. I don't know if you have the same, but um, I pick up the voice. But something like Jenny, I, I'm, ne- I'm not going to pick up that voice. That's going to be fine. Um, yeah. And then the other one I've been reading, but I've been reading forever, is um, Hilary Mantel's The Mirror and the Light, um, which like, I have the hardback. It's sitting beside my bed. It is, honestly, it's, it's a doorstop. <laughs> and I love it, but also... I kind of don't want it to end because yeah. you know where it's going, right? I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler. You know he's going to die. Um, so if you've enjoyed the, 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 the journey and you like him, you, you kind of don't want to read that. But at the same time, I, yeah, I, I just, I've got to I've get on with it. I've got to get on with it. <laughs> so funny. I'm in the middle of Wolf Hall and I, and I just read a little bit at a time and I don't know if I'll ever finish. Same, same reason. And you enjoy everything I'm, you're reading, but it is impossible everything. to canter through it. You, yeah. you, you, <laughs> There's no cantering at all. <laughs> okay, so will you tell people then a little bit about How to Kill Your Best Friend, maybe give us your elevator pitch and where we can find you online. Oh, I'm so terrible at elevators. Oh. <laughs> I'm totally terrible. Um, okay, so um, it's um, based around uh, a group of friends who um, have swimming. They, they Swimming at university was the um, thing that drew them all together. Um, and one of their party, Lissa, has drowned. Um, and all the friends meet at the um, luxury hotel that her and her husband were running for a memorial service. And um, uh, Georgie, in particular, she can't quite understand how the drowning has come about, and it doesn't quite make sense to her. And she starts digging, and then everything unfolds from there. I think that's a wonderful blog line. And um, Georgie was just such a great character. I really, really enjoyed being with her. Um, okay, where can we where can we find you online? Yes, so I am uh, at Lexi Elliott Writes for, let me get this right, that's for Instagram and Facebook, and then on Twitter, and I'm, I'm a terrible Twitterer, so there, there's not a lot of tweets coming out of me, um, I'm uh, Elliot underscore Lexi for that. Um, and if people can't wait for How to Kill Your Best Friend, which is out in August, they can always buy The French Girl or The Missing Years, which are my other two novels and are already out which I am very much looking forward to reading. However, I think I'm so far ahead in my podcast that your book will probably have just released by the time it comes out. (laughs) So it's perfect. So How to Kill Your Best Friend is out now everywhere and you should all go scramble to buy it. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Lexi. I really appreciate talking to you and I wish you very, very happy writing. Thank you, same to you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>